G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. My name is Lloyd Grolamond. I'm the Aussie Pastor, and welcome to our program as we come to you out of our Northwest Studios here in Sydney. Northwest, Northwest Sydney Studios here in Sydney, and we're going live all over Australia. But man, have we had a rocky start to today, Hunty, our techie. <laughs> yes. Welcome. Yeah, we sure have. We lost our internet about half an hour ago when we first started. How does that happen? <coughs> oh. So, um, who, knows? who knows? I guess someone pulled a rack out somewhere between here and the Telstra Data Centre in Melbourne. So it's not it's not done locally. Yeah, okay. So it wasn't could be us. anywhere, any anywhere between here and and where we broadcast from. Okay, so really sorry about that, but yes. here we are. And what what is that going to do to our program? Well, we're on an adventure today because we, we haven't got a clue. <laughs> we don't. But we're glad you you we're glad you're here. And I think let's start it differently, Hunty. Can okay. you pray a prayer? Certainly. Thanks, mate. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord. We're grateful to be back on air, but um, I want to pray right now for our listeners, Lord, that you will bless them and love them, put your loving arms around them. I pray for our tech, and I pray for my mate Lloyd, too, as he opens the Bible this afternoon. So please bless us all, I pray, Lord, in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I think we might still have a look at this day in history, July 11. It is July 11. In 1533, Pope Clement VII excommunicated King Henry VIII of England. You know anything about that story, Andrew Hunt? I do not. Henry had multiple wives, and the Church of Rome didn't appreciate that, and so Henry more or less excommunicated them, and so the Pope excommunicated him. (laughs) It was the auspicious beginnings of the Church of England. That's how the Church of England was born. wasn't necessarily born within the heart and soul of the Protestant Reformation. Sometimes things that don't start so well end up going well. And so uh, the Protestant Reformation at that time lit up in England and kaboom, they're away. And I find this interesting. On July 11, 1656, the first Quakers who are probably more to more a tiny little Protestant group, well, they landed in America in Boston, an Englishwoman, Anne Austin and Mary Fisher. They actually came from Barbados to England, to, uh, to, to the United States to to share the the Protestant gospel, well, they were promptly put in jail for five years and deported back to Barbados. So oh they didn't go too well to start off with in the US, which is an amazing thing for a country like America who started off as a bastion, well, somewhat of a bastion of freedom. 1848, London's Waterloo Station opens. Never been there. I bet your hunty has. Have, yes. Uh, 1914, Babe Ruth's baseball debate, debut. You know who Babe Ruth is? Do. Very, very famous American baseball yeah, player. Yeah, I don't know much about him, but apparently he hit a lot of home runs. Runs. He did. 1921, the Mong- Mongolia gets independence from China. So any Mongolians out there, happy Independence Day. 1930, listen to this, Hunty. Yep. Bradman, Donald Bradman, the greatest cricket batsman the world has ever seen, when he's 21, so it's 1930, at Leeds, in the ashes... He was a, he started batting in the beginning of the morning. He was 105 by lunch. You listen to this. I'm listening. He was 220 by tea and he was 309 not out at stumps. Oh, <laughs> I reckon we could do with him at the moment over oh, there yes. in England, having just lost that last Ashes test match. 1955, the US Congress. I, I, I thought this is interesting. Authorized US currency to say in God we trust. Nice. That happened in 1955. I thought it might have been... Still a little... on the money, too. 1960, To Kill a Mockingbird. 
written by Harper Lee, first published. It's a young girl's, sort of a young girl's coming of age story experienced in the context of racism and bigotry. Now, I bet you haven't read that, Hunty. I have not. And yet you come from exactly the same generation as me and every single student somewhere between year 10 and year 12 in Australia had to read that story. So I was going to ask you this question. (laughs) Why did you not? I think I've read more technical journals than you, though. (laughs) (laughs) I can guarantee that that is yet another assignment at school to kill a mockingbird that Hunty never, ever took on. Am I right? Didn't run past through our school. You know, it did. It was by law. No, I was there. You weren't. (laughs) I can still tell you. I started to be an English teacher. You were supposed to read it. I knew knew you had. Not a bad story. Look, I never really got into it a whole lot, but not a bad story about this girl. Um, 1962, the first transatlantic TV transmission via satellite. Nice. Hmm. I thought you'd be interested in that one. Absolutely. 1988, Mike Tyson hires Donald Trump as a financial advisor. Oh. <laughs> Am I allowed to laugh at that? <laughs> um, oh, that's not a negative or a positive laugh, but I can just imagine Donald Trump and Mike Tyson together. That would be a volatile uh, relationship, that one. Wow. And in 2006, this is kind of sad, Mumbai train bombings that killed over 200 people. Apparently, those bombings occurred from extremists who were from... From way up in the mountains of India, Pakistan. Very sad. 200 people died. Mm-hmm. Birthdays, 1274, Robert the Bruce. You know who that is? No idea. Braveheart. Didn't know that. Hmm. Haven't he, seen the movie. Great don't know. Scottish king. How about 1916, Gough Whitlam? 1916, eh? Yeah, a long time ago. I remember Gough. Yeah, so do I. Deaths, 1989. Don't know this guy, but apparently he's very famous. Lawrence Olivier. A Hollywood actress. You heard of him? Because I, I yes. kind of have, but I know nothing about yes. him. Yes. And the word for the day, notice how I'm ripping through this, Hunty? Yes. Is, you might know this one, Elsewither. Nope. Think about yeah, it just for a moment. Me. Elsewither. No, it makes no sense to me. Because I know Hunty's a little bit of a wordsmith. Uh, I do like wordsmith. words. I do you like do. words. I know mm. you do. You've come up with some I don't know. Elsewither. I wonder if any of our listeners know what that word means. In another direction toward a different place or goal. Does that make sense yet, Hunty? Uh, yeah, fair enough. Let me give you an yeah. example of elsewhere. The road forked in two paths. One led to town and another led elsewhere. There you go. That makes sense, doesn't it? It does. So wherever you are today, we're moving, we're moving hard, we're moving fast because we're late. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And this first song, it's a beautiful song. It's a new one for me, but it's an oldie. Saved by Grace by the Triumphant Quartet. Hope you enjoy it. I think we're going to have it. Yeah, we got it. Saved by grace I've been saved by grace My name is in the book of life And my sins are washed away Saved by grace I've been saved by it's not what I deserve, but I'm saved by grace. I was alone in the darkness, and I could not find my way. But Jesus shined a light on me, and then he turned on my night today. Now I am saved by grace. I've been saved by grace. My name is in the book of life and my 
Because I like the tune, but I also like um, very much uh, the word saved by grace. Yeah, because when you've been on the journey I've been on, I think you've been on a similar one, mm. where you know both of us wandered at some stage or another in our lives far from God. We've both been battlers and strugglers, to be fair, haven't we? For sure. Um, yeah. And grace is that wonderful gift that Jesus gives us when we give him our sins, and in return he gives us eternal life. 
Uh, nothing you can do to deserve grace. Nothing you can do to work for grace. It's just given to you if you want it. Great thing about grace is enough of it to go around to every single person on the whole planet. So if you're out there today, you feel like you're far from God. You feel like you're a great sinner. Well, you probably are. Feel like you've let your family or your church or feel like you might have uh, let your workplace or your friends or yourself down because of your sins. You might feel ashamed. Mm. You might be in a dark place. You might be guilty. I get all that. Uh, I think Hunty does too, don't you, mate? Absolutely do get that. But if you come to Jesus, give him your heart. He'll give you in return for your heart. He'll give you grace. That means you go and pay the penalty for those sins, for those crimes. He'll take the guilt and he'll give you a guilt-free eternal life. I like that song. I like that message. Mm. It's heart and soul of the gospel. Uh, news, Hunty, pretty quick. Okay. I'll move through it. Spyware on your phone. I read this article and I knew you'd have some answers. Apparently the Android's not the Apple. I'll get you to comment on that to start off with. But the Androids are, 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 have so many uh, little programs mm. that you download apps yep. that if you've got an Android phone, you pretty much can guarantee you've got spyware of some kind or another on your phone. First of all, I want to ask you, Hunty, why the Androids are not the Apple? Because I know you're an Apple fan, me too. I'm not an Apple fan for security, you are. I'm an Apple fan because they're made for people who are pretty dumb. (laughs) (laughs) They're very intuitive. They're easy to use. That's That's right. right. That's That's why I'm into Apple. But why does this spyware that you download with an app, why does it impact Androids and not Apple? Okay. A quick answer because we don't have a lot of time. Well, firstly, it's people trying to steal your information, your banking details, your contacts, your emails, all that kind of data, so they can rip you off. So Apple, <clears throat> if you have an Apple phone, they don't allow you just to go ahead and install anything on the Apple phone. All the apps that you get on your Apple phone have to already have been pre-vetted by the Apple software engineers, which you get from the Apple Store, the App Store. Not, um, by, not by an AI bot actually done by engineers personally. Uh, it used to be 100% engineers. Now it's a combination of both. Okay. Yep. But you can be certain that your Apple has had its software scrutinized. So that's the first good thing. The second good thing about an Apple is they build the hardware and the software. So they know what they're doing. Unfortunately, the people running Android phones, the people who make the software don't make the hardware and vice versa. And I, so I think Google's the only one that now is making If both. you have an Android phone, what chance have you got of having spyware on your phone? Oh, it's guaranteed you've got an Android phone because so many applications have it built in. For example, the Messenger app on Facebook has it built in and WhatsApp is, has spyware built in. So if you've got those two on your Android phone, your contacts, details, emails, phone numbers, they're Even already Facebook's being spying, spying on you? Facebook is spying on you or is it someone else? So More sinister. Facebook's making money by selling data to people who want to spend money advertising. And so if they can quantify you into a little pigeonhole and say, this guy's 50 years old, he likes Ford cars and football, then they can charge more money for advertising to you. Okay. Well, if you've got an Android phone, other than going buying an Apple, which I'd suggest, that's I'll do that, go and buy an Apple. Uh, and, and I'm not. Hunty will tell you, am I really a great fan of the Apple company, Hunty? No, you're not no. a fan. But you know what you can do if you've got an Android? You yeah. can just give what we call a birthday. Take all your photos off it, get your... All your impressive important data off it and baptize it back to zero. So back to the original manufacturer's software and don't load any more applications on it that you're not 100% certain of. How can you be certain of an app? Because I, I, I would be certain. You need to Google it. I would be certain of Facebook and YouTube, and yet you're telling me once I download them, if I've got 
a Android, I'm in trouble. Well, the two big apps that have been called into question this week are apps designed to help you manage your files and <laughs> recover your your phone. So, so those two are specifically designed to to suck up or scalp um, scavenge all of your data. So, if you just buy your phone, put the software the manufacturer puts on it, and try and keep it fairly standard, you're safe. So, how often should you baptize your Android phone? And by that, I mean you know take it back to square one. Uh, look, Every day. <laughs> yeah, look, they're pretty hopeless, unfortunately. So basically, you're hearing from the Aussie pastor live around Australia. If you've got an Android, get rid of it and go and buy a <laughs> Apple. What about this one, Hunty? Um, millions on a mortgage cliff. Did you read that? Where people I have did. locked I themselves did. into fixed rate mortgages and they're coming off them by the hundreds of thousands. And a lot of those fixed rate mortgages are under 2%. What are they paying now? 6 7% for yes. a home loan? Unfortunately, there are many people who in the next 6 to 12 months are going from a low COVID 2% rate to, to double and triple that, who are going to be up to thousands of dollars a month more. You know, this is no comfort to our listeners who are facing this, and I'm mm. sure there's a number of them, but when this was happening, my first home loan, I think, was uh, 9.95%. I think I paid up to 13 or 14. I think you went to 18. Is that right, Hunty? Uh, yeah, I think my first house was 16 or 17. So you and me are kind of on the edge of the baby boomers. What's the next generation after this? Gen X. Yeah, we're, we're kind of in the... Well, I'm kind of leaning more to the baby boomers because I'm a year older than you. Although I look 10 years younger, but... Um, uh, we kind of live through... And you got going earlier with housing and houses than me. I bought my first house in 95. And I bought my first house ah, in 94. Oh, you, then you beat me. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, uh, how, how high did your interest rates go? Because I don't think mine ever went much more than... 12 or 13 percent maybe maybe only 9.9 i don't know but i knew this i i know we both knew hunty that when we took our loans we knew because we'd had big heavy loans that you had to be prepared to go that high that's I don't, right don't think the younger generations have ever seen what we saw or our parents i know my dad and mum were paying up to 20 percent wow you know, what's 20% of a $1 million? That's $200,000 a year. That's just in interest a year, yeah. That's just in interest. Mm. And I don't think uh, these young people... So so what would be your advice? I know you're no financial advisor, but that's for sure. But Okay, what? I do actually have some advice. Yeah. If, if you know you're not going to make it off the end of the cliff... Sell your house. Sell your house now and, and make some profit from the um, capital gains. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I, look, you better not take too much notice, Hunty. Or no, me. no, we're not financial guys. No, my advice would be not that. My advice would find yourself a good financial advisor and have a good talk and prepare and plan and go into this. You know, I'm glad. I was talking to my daughter about this because she's a little bit of an investor. Owns more homes than her dad. Her dad doesn't even own one. She's got <laughs> two. And she talked about the stress and the worry of it. And I said, it's a good thing to have Jesus through this sort of time because it's the stress and and the worry and the anxiety of these high interest rates and it's not just high interest rates have you watched how groceries are going up i mean this is a perennial weekly wind from me almost hunty but they're going up almost every single day did you know eggs are about to more than double they're going to go up to 15 dollars a uh, carton no soon. don't say that it's because they're not they're going to ban caged chickens and or free range yeah but free range eggs now are only Seven, eight bucks a dozen. Ah, uh, yes, but when everyone has to try and buy the free range eggs, they're going to be in short supply. Ergo, the price will double. Wow. Come on, don't say that. I like eggs. And that's predicted by experts. Really? Well, these if, are times if that. They, if, they, if they block these, these chickens from being put in battery 
cages, then it'll be all free range. I understand why they do that. It's a great idea because the battery cages seem terrible. To, and I'm not a I'm not a raging animal liberationist. Although I do love animals, you know that, Hunty. Of course. And I like to see them treated fairly and well. Yep. Um, Mm, I didn't know that. What about this last one? US, UK banks, not US, UK banks forced to return scam victims' money. Is that fair? Absolutely brilliant. Is that fair? So if it I get scammed, totally. if I get scammed, and I did get scammed the other day, we shared it, what happened? If you weren't, uh, on that show, uh, got, it was an, what was mine? No, it wasn't that. It was a PayPal scam. Yeah, you got fished. I didn't get fished. Someone else in my house got fished, hunty. <laughs> true, 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 true. <laughs> um, is it fair, though, that if I make the mistake, the bank has to pay for it, hunty? So there are a number of players in this. The scammer who's set up a, a bank account with the sole purpose of ripping you off. Yeah. So the bank that's holding that scammer's account should be able to see, oh, they've just got 50 bucks from this person and that person. They should see that Yeah, but if the bank's in, um, and I don't mean this in, in, in a negative way at all, but if it's in Nigeria or somewhere in Africa or some place that Australia doesn't have any legislation on, you get what I'm so, saying? So the, the, do you get what I'm saying? I do, and the beautiful rule that they're making in England, have made in England, is that the bank that sends the money has to pay half of it back. And the bank who receives the money has to pay half Well, if the bank. bank who receives the money does not fall under English legislation, I don't know how they'd ever enforce that. No, true, 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 true. But, well, the, but the good thing is, though, they've already been running this for a while, and the trials that they've been running, it's reduced the amount of scams by 75% already. That's true, it's so true. It's working. And there's nothing, worse, there's nothing worse than the feeling you get than when you're being scammed. So what's your advice, quickly, because we've got to close yep, this yep, yep, segment yep, yep. up, Hunty, to, when it comes to banking? Okay, do not... Go to your email and just click return, reply, click on anything that says you owe money or you need to pay things off or re-log into your account or re-verify your signature or re-verify your password. Never, 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 never. If you get contacted by your financial institution via email or SMS, question it. I think you've been warning us on that for some time, hunty. Indeed. Yeah. Look, when you see these things, mate, you know uh, time of anxiety, time of dishonesty and corruption, you know. You do know especially if you read the Bible, you're a follower and a believer and a disciple of Jesus, yeah. you know that's not going to go on and soon we will see Jesus come. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is the Gaither Vocal Band. You know when they came to Australia a few years ago when I was pastoring Warunga, uh, do you remember that? A whole lot of our members from that church went, I didn't even know they were here. And I miss that concert and I'm so painfully sorry. Because they're one of my favourite groups, the Gaither Vocal Panned. And yep. this, this song, Child of the King, is talking about the fact that when you give your heart to Jesus, when you decide to, to give him your sins, to repent, you, you, you make a choice to be a follower. It is a choice, eh? Sure. It's a choice you make. When that happens, then you do become a child of the King, a child of the great God of heaven. That's what this song's all about. Still 
I'm joining in there at the end. <laughs> I noticed. Hey, um, I'll tell you, what do they say? There's only two or three degrees of separation from everyone on the planet. That's, that's what they say, yep. Let me let me share you my story about my degrees of separation uh, from the President of the United States. Yes, please. I know Reggie Smith. Yep. He's one of the key singers in the Gaither Vocal Band. Yep. You know him too. Yep. We know him. I wouldn't say he's our best mate, but we know him reasonably well. Sure. In fact, we know him so well that I'm having a go, you're having a go, we're trying to get him out next year nice. with his wife, Lady Love. Fantastic. Reggie Smith knows Gaither. Yes. Gaither knows the President of the United States of America. That's right. I'm two degrees from the President of the United States of America. <laughs> I love it. Love it. <laughs> I love that. You're a child of the King. I'm a, for all my faults and weaknesses and struggles and battles, I'm a child of the King. Yep. So are you, Hunter. Everyone is, yep. Here we are. Yep. Um, this testimony, young lady had a very severe mental illness. Now, Got to be careful when we're talking about mental illness because the medical practitioners, doctors have a central part in helping people through medical illness. And I want to make yep. that clear right from the start. I understand that. I recognise that. I respect that. I don't even. I, I don't try to come in um, and make out that uh, uh, um, you shouldn't go to a doctor. You shouldn't go to a practitioner. You shouldn't go to a counsellor because you should. You hear me, Hunter? Totally. You should. You should listen to them yep. when you've got a mental illness. How do I know? Because I've been there. But also, make no mistake, God is instrumental in helping people, curing people from mental illness. How do I know? Because he did it to me. I was healed from my mental illness, Hunty, that you saw with your own mm, eyes yeah. through a mixture of God leading out with medical practitioners yep. as well. Yep. But this girl's testimony is amazing, and I think you'll enjoy it. Listen carefully, see what you think. I would hear things like, you should kill yourself. And I would hear a lot of whispers like... For years, Alexis Hoffman says she was tormented by voices. It had started in 2009. She was a freshman in high school and had just come out of a physically, sexually, and mentally abusive relationship. She became angry and was filled with guilt and shame. My heart became callous after the abusive relationship because... I felt like I could just never get right with God. Like, I felt like I was too far gone. Like, I had messed up too much. Having pushed her Christian upbringing aside, Alexis would spend the rest of her high school years filled with drinking, drugs, sex, and cutting. By now, her parents, Ted and Robin, had realized the life their daughter was living. When the only thing that your daughter ever gave you was joy, and then you find out that she's doing drugs, sex, you know, alcohol, breaks your heart. By her senior year, she was being tormented by nightmares. Then came the voices. They tell me I'm useless and ugly, that I'm worthless and dirty. They tell me to just die, and I believe them. I remember having this obsession with, like, stabbing. I would sneak out into the kitchen, and I would start 
taking one knife at a time and bringing it into my room. One day, her mom found the stash of knives and suicide notes. Immediately, she took her daughter to the ER and Alexis was admitted to a psychiatric hospital. I am just talking to God and saying, Lord, you said and your word says that she is yours and you will not let her anything happen to her. And I know that your word is true and I believe you. Over the next four years, Alexis would be in and out of 20 different psych wards, diagnosed with bipolar and schizophrenia, among others. Even being heavily medicated didn't quiet the voices or ease her torment. My life was a living hell, and not only my life, but my family's. There's no joy, just empty, just not knowing what was going to happen, and, and me not knowing either how to help her. When you looked into her eyes, there was an absolute dead stare, always. And she never, ever had that. She always had the most beautiful smile, and her eyes were always sparkling. And it wasn't my little girl. Now, unable to hold down a job and on disability, Alexis was prone to violent fits of rage. She had no control over her actions, often blacking out. When Alexis got mad, whew, it was not pretty. It was was scary. I had even said to my husband, we should get locks on the bedroom door. One time, she woke up in a pool of blood after cutting herself 40 times. And I would be so ashamed, like, what did I just do? Like, that's not me. Why did I do that? That is not how I act. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I keep doing this. Who is that? Exhausted, Alexis told her family she was going to kill herself. I've got these voices telling me what to do. I'm seeing things. And I said, I'm just tired. I'm so tired. I'm at war with myself and I can't do it anymore. Robin and I were preparing ourselves for her to kill herself. And you talk about that's, that's tough when you have to prepare yourself. The next day, Robin took Alexis to a healing conference where Pastor Todd White was ministering. Alexis went to the altar. I thought to myself, these meds aren't working. These doctors can't help me. And I said a prayer to God. I said, God, if you're real, then I need you to show up. And I need you to show up in a big way. And if you don't, I'm killing myself tonight. Then no one Pastor White prayed for her. I can see her eyes going crazy. I knew that she had devils. I just looked at her and said, come out. And she fell to the floor screaming. I remember my mouth just opening so wide and these screams of horror were coming out. Screams, hissing, growling. I just felt stuff come out of my body like I could physically feel things leave. She got free and got delivered, not because of anything except the authority of the name of Jesus. I felt a peace that I had never felt before. Like, I could hear myself think. I felt restored and I felt new. And the love of God that I felt in that moment was like nothing I've ever felt before. Alexis rededicated her life to God and asked for forgiveness of her sins. I was repenting like for past things and everything but I knew in my heart of hearts too that that those were cast into the sea of forgetfulness and I was on this new this new path with him we were up all night just praising God and just the miracle that happened if you're wondering if God can heal people with a mental condition the answer is yes because he healed my daughter 
Alexis stopped all her psych meds and has been free from mental illness ever since. Today, Alexis is married to Jonah. She's a substitute teacher and loves her new purpose in life, helping others find freedom from mental illness through Jesus Christ. We'll do, Haka. If there's one thing I can tell you, it would be to cling to hope, and that is Jesus. Keep going to Him. Don't get tired or weary of going to Him. He's the only solution to your problems. Very interesting. Indeed. Very interesting. I just want to remind you as you listen to that, that God, if you've got a mental illness, God will, if you allow him, always have a significant and central role in bringing you out of it. But God, it was God who gave us our doctors and our, our um, practitioners, our counsellors, our psychologists, and we praise the Lord for that too, don't we, Hunty? We do. And certainly as you use both, God and when I say use, when you yeah, use. When you go to God, he will help you significantly in your walk out of that. How do I know again? Because I've been there. This song by the Booth Brothers, Faith Keeps... Ah, no, I'm on the wrong one. We're doing if it were not grace, aren't we? Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. I'm good. No, no. We'll go. We're all over the place. Well, I am. (laughs) Since we started, my head is. Anyway, oh, be man, what a start we had. We did. Um, we had no internet when we started. No. If it were not Grace, the old paths is a beautiful song. Long ago and far away From my father's house I strayed I long to know the things this world could give So I left my home one day And when I'd thrown it all away My shell of former self began to say Sin is wasting me away But in my father's house today There's bread enough And so my path I traced Now I see my father's face He runs and we embrace Where would I be if it were not for grace? If it were not for grace Where would I be today? I'd still be lost in sin The longing deep inside The well of sin just leaves a bitter taste But the answer that I find Is Jesus gives me peace of mind From all those empty rainbows that I chase He's the well that won't run dry And He alone can satisfy I'm thankful that in death he took my place Now he lives again today He 
He's the only living way Where would I be if it were not for grace? If it were not for grace Where would I be today? I'd still be lost in sin Well, probably, Hunty, because mm. I'm a bloke who's needed it through the years. Me and so too, I'm going to listen to it, I'm going to read about it, I'm going to study it, I'm going to keep talking about grace till the day I die. One guy once said to me, why do you keep preaching this? Aren't there other subjects? And I said, well, yeah, there <laughs> are, there are. Um, but every subject must have grace in it. That's it. Because grace is the building block. It's everything. It is, mm. that Jesus uses to build the entire house harold harker are you there hi there lord yes i am welcome harold to the program today we're 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 running short of time but we're gonna yeah. keep going with i'm gonna name your we're gonna have to find a name for your segment harold what do you reckon have you got one in your head are we gonna think one up let's pick one up yeah okay <laughs> I, I was just thinking that before we've got to have a name um Protestant stories with Harold or something like that. <laughs> okay, um, let's talk about a man by the name of, again, I never heard of him. You're bringing these guys out. I've never heard of him. Uh, interesting character. His name was John Amos Comenius. Did I say that right? Yes, Comenius. Yeah, that's him. When and where was he born? Well, he was born in Moravia. Now, you say, where was Moravia? Today, it's in the eastern part of the Czech Republic. Okay, okay. When was he born? He was born in March 1592, so, yeah. Okay, a long time ago. Who were his parents and what did they belong to? Because he's unusual, this guy, because he was born, wasn't born a Catholic, was born something else. He wasn't. He was the youngest and only son, youngest child, the only son of Martin and Anna Comenius, and they were Moravians. We call these Moravians, they came from Moravia, but there was a whole bunch of them that were a religious group, and he, he was born into that family. 
these Moravian or Moravian brethren, what did they believe? Were they Protestant? Were they Catholic? Where, where did they? Where did what they believe? Where did their movement belong? They were Protestant, and they really started with the writings of Huss uh, from Wycliffe, and then Huss, and uh, they had a great devotion to God. They believed the Bible was what you needed to follow, and they were a missionary movement. Remember the story of John Wesley yep. going coming back from America and the Moravians were there in the storm and they were peaceful. They believed in God and that's where they came from. So this this John um, Comenius, what did he become the leader of? Well, they, they asked him to become the leader of this Moravian group over there in, in Moravia, eastern part of Czechoslovakia today. Question without notice, and you may not be able to answer this, but do we know how many Moravians there were at that time? No, but they they have filtered through Europe, and as I say, they even went to America. Do you think it would have been hundreds, thousands? Oh, probably in the thousands, yeah. Okay. Well, let's just wind the clock back a little bit. Tell us about his schooling. Well, he started school went later than normal. He didn't start till he was in his teens. Okay. And he went to the Latin school, and later on, he was asked to be a teacher there. Okay, so he's bright. I mean, he's bright. He seems to be reasonably well-educated. Who were some of his influences? Well, after that school, he then went to the Herborn Academy and the University of Heidelberg, and while he's there, he was influenced by a number of his lecturers, including an Irish Jesuit, William Barthy. Do we know anything about him? No, but uh, a good Jesuit, he would have been trying to persuade him but obviously he didn't. Okay, so so we don't know much about this William Barth. He's recognised as an influence on him, but he was more obviously being a Jesuit, the Catholic side. Um, what was he ordained as in 1614, and where did he serve? Well, after the University of Heidelberg, he is ordained to the ministry of the Moravian Brethren, and he served as a pastor in their churches. Okay. So in 1631, he published something that was significant. What was it about, and what did it become? Well, it was a great book, The Great of Languages Unlocked, and it brought him fine right across Europe. In other words, the education aspect must have been part of it. Harold, have you read that book yourself personally or come across it? Is it still in print? I don't think it's still in print, but it must have influenced the whole of civilization then. So he's talking about the education of our children in this book, or am I jumping a little far on that? And also Jesus, the religious side of it would have been in it. Okay. Um, in 1621, what happened and what did it lead to? Well, the Moravians were targeted by the Catholic Counter-Reformation, yep. and they had to flee. He lost all his property, all his books, and he went into exile, firstly into Poland and then Bohemia and other places. What did he do in Poland, do we know? Well, he would have cared for those Moravian believers that had to go flee for their lives. I'm surprised he actually was able to you know, flee to Poland because Poland to this day is a very Catholic country. Yeah. Yeah, but he, uh, he did. Um after Poland, where did he go and what important job did he do? Because I reckon this is where his life starts to get interesting. Well, he went up to Sweden in 1638 and he was to make a scheme for the management of all the schools of Sweden. 
So he was like the top educationalist helping them in Sweden. Actually, he's known mostly, isn't he? Now you correct me, but he is known mostly for his the development of education for children within the religious context and educate. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So he, if, if we're looking back at him today, we'd say that this man was an educator and a very fine educator at that. Yes, with Jesus in that curriculum. Yeah. So he leaves Sweden, goes to England. This is amazing. I, I'm amazed how God uses these men and puts them in the high, humble men and he puts them in the highest of high positions. So he's already had a major impact in Sweden. He goes to England. What does the English Parliament ask him to do? Then you come over here. They gave him a commission to reform their education system of England. And again with Jesus at the centre. Be there, yes. So, no, so this guy, we haven't heard a lot about him, but he is significant in the training of young people into Christ and into the movement of the Protestant Reformation. That's right. Okay, uh, so he's in England. What does he do? Because this guy's on the move. What does he do after a stint in England? Well, then Queen Christina of Sweden said, you come back here. So he went to Sweden and then on to Poland and back to England again. He moved around these countries. <laughs> yeah. He's on the move. You've got to remember he's not getting on a plane. He's sailing or he's going by Horton <laughs> Cars. This is something. Uh, 1654, what happens? He became the professor of the Hungarian Protestant College. Again, so a, very, a very high position. It was. Um, more persecution comes. Where does he take refuge? Well, it comes again. They burnt his house, and so he went across to the Netherlands. And, in fact, I've been to the place in the Netherlands where he actually lived. Okay, okay. Uh, the Netherlands would have been more Protestant or at least a bastion of Protestantism and a rather safe place back then. Safer place, yes. This is where it gets interesting for me, and this will shock a lot of people. What great university and I'm talking world university, was he asked to be the president of? Well, he was asked to be the president of Harvard over in America. And, uh, in fact, uh, some people dispute that, but uh, one of the American historians 20 years later even said he was asked to go, but he didn't get there. He went back to Sweden because the Swedish ambassador gave him strong solicitation, please, Please come back to Sweden. So he didn't go to Harvard. He went back to Sweden. It would have been a blessing for Harvard if he had have gone there. Sure. When did he die? He died in November 1670. So you look back on this man's life, one of the few, I guess, that never ended up on the stake, although he was pillared and hounded and chased from place to place, losing houses and farms and property, burnt down, taken, stolen. But he stayed faithful to God. He dies when it what, what when was that sixteen seventy in the Netherlands at Naden. So when you remember his life and you've studied his life, you've been to a few of the places where he worked and lived. What what do you think he was famous for, and what is he remembered for? As Moravian Christian and bringing that into education, and his influence was right across Europe. Does he teach us anything today, Harold? In closing. Put Jesus in whatever you do, in education, in your life. Again, one of those great men that we probably don't hear a lot of, but whose reward will be great when he gets to heaven because he not influenced thousands, but in his influence, his education, what he sent up, probably had an impact not on millions, Harold, but billions. 
That would be right. Yeah, amazing. Thank you, Harold. Fantastic story. Bye. See you next time. Sure. Bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Good guy. Indeed. Good guy. Mm. Again, never heard. I love the way Harold's bringing these yeah, men me and women too. out. We have never, ever heard of. And yet, as I ended up by saying that, he had an impact. He's, the education system he set up, the way he put God into it, and what's amazing is we're living in a country right now, Australia, that wants to take God out of the education, God mm. forbid, and to their shame, but that's what they do. Yep. Um, this guy puts God into the education system and impacts the lives of billions and billions of people. Um, I guess if you looked at his life, you would say it was a life of faith. And that's what this mm. next song, Faith Keeps on Walking, is about. It's from the Booth Brothers. It's talking about the joy and the wonder of living in faith of Jesus Christ. Worry only sees the wind and troubled water. Regret keeps looking back, searching for the shore. Fear might only find a sky that's full of lightning. Faith keeps walking on, looking to the Lord. Worry only sees the wind and troubled water. Searching for the shore Fear might only find a sky that's full of lightning Faith keeps walking on Looking to the Lord You took a chance You heard the Master calling Now you're doing something than you've done before Stepped out of the boat And now the sky is falling Don't stop doing the impossible Keep looking to the Lord Worry only sees the wind and troubled water Regret keeps looking back Searching for the shore Fear might only find the sky that's full of lightning Faith keeps walking on Looking to the Lord Just keep moving Closer to the one Who waits with open arms Keep your eyes fixed on the sun When you're standing in
I made it clear, Hunty, but when I was talking to my daughter about um, the worry she had and the anxiety she had with her house, I think I did, but I'll say it again. It's a good thing to have faith in Jesus through these times. Totally. He takes anxiety, he takes the fear. You know what? I think as I was listening to the story of that Protestant reformer just before, that great educator, John Comenius, the thing that amazes me is he lost so much. Mm. He lost his house at least twice, his farm and everything he had. He was harried, he was persecuted, he was followed, he was, his life was in danger, but he had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, you know what? No matter how bad things got, if you've, if you've got that, no matter how bad things get, if you've got that, if you've got faith in Jesus, I think a lot of people don't understand that. Perhaps you're listening on the radio and you don't know what I'm talking about. Listen to me and maybe you'd be tempted to try it. If you've got faith in Jesus, no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. That's right. If you've got faith, and if you're a believer, if you've made Jesus your saviour, this is why there are so many of us who call ourselves Christians, even though the world can be derogatory about us, criticise us, make fun of us, mock us and scoff at us, we've got something they don't get. It's Jesus. Mm. And when you've got Jesus, you can go through anything. Hey, Hunty, are we yes. going to do Ask the Aussie Pastor? we got time today? Uh, yeah, we got time. Let me give it a quick plug. If you'd like to send in your questions to one of my favourite segments, Have you got questions? Yep. Yeah, i got a few already. Thank okay, you. Okay, yep. Thank you, listeners, of those who have sent in. Um, you can send them to us one of two ways. You can text us on 0488 or you can email us, and the email address is theaussiepastor.com. At gmail.com. Are we going to start giving some prizes out for the best question? Yeah, actually, Is that we a possibility should. We should give in some the prizes. future? Yes, we should. Not this week, but maybe next week. Let's. So if you bring your question to us this week, it might be read next week. If we deem it's the best one, yep. the hardest one, you get a prize. Yep. Any it's questions not- that come in today will we'll qualify for this for week next week's next giveaway. Week. Correct. Ah, oh, and who's going to decide, you or me? Oh, we'll decide together. What do you reckon? I reckon you'll decide. Done. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I reckon. <laughs> this next testimony is from a Jewish man yep. who was the president of a Jewish synagogue, a believer in God. I want to make that clear, but not a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to be saved, truly, if you want to get off this planet, you've got to be more than just a believer in God. You've got to believe in, a, you've got to believe in Jesus Christ. I know that's not a popular idea out there amongst some, hunty, mm. but you've got to believe that Jesus is the saviour of the world. He is God too. Christians believe in a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, but they're making up one God. People get confused on that. I say, look at marriage. You've got two people, one family. Correct. Kind of like that. Even that's not completely and totally accurate, though. But you've got to accept Jesus as your saviour. This is an amazing story, Hunty. Yep. And I hope, if you're not a believer, I hope this story will challenge you with its power. I grew up in the synagogue. I knew of nothing else. As a matter of fact, I had very few friends who were not Jewish. There was a lot of racial tension in our city. So I was in about the fourth or fifth grade, and this friend of mine, Larry, came up to me. Out of the clear blue sky, he pointed his finger at me and says, You killed Jesus. And I said, I don't know, even know who you're talking about. You know, I was really scared. I mean, me? How could I? I mean, I was a young child. One of the people I connected with, who became a very good friend of mine, was from Miami Beach. And he was a guitarist, and I was a drummer. So we, we, we connected right away. He said, 
said, would you like to do some drugs? And I go, well, I don't know. know." And he said, let's try it. What is this stuff? I mean, it was like the most incredible feeling I've ever felt. This is what I want to do for my life. I want to be a musician. I was just having the time of my life, not being home, being away. Kind of left my Jewish roots back at the house. So we showed up at this club and we set up our equipment. Attached to the club was a cafe and there was this really, really cute girl. And I tell you, my eyes just went boom. I said, I'm going to marry this girl. And I said, hey, how would you like to come with me? She goes, okay. And I had our first child uh, within, a, within a few years. We were immersed back into the congregation, back into that synagogue that, uh, that I grew up in as a kid and that my family was instrumental in starting. We do business. I'm in the scrap metal business, and we do business with this fellow. And his name was Sam. His wife's name was Louise. And they were the sweetest little Jewish couple you'd want to meet. Monica and I take a trip to Vermont. On the way back from Vermont, we stop and see Sam and Louise at their house because they invited us. Louise, I've never met her before, but she's this real cute little Jewish lady. And she started talking about the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua. She was like, you gotta hear about this. It's changed my life. She says, you've never heard of Yeshua. And I says, no, I've never heard of Yeshua. And she says, well, I bet you've heard of him as Jesus. Louise, stop right there. I says, I'm Jewish. I don't believe in Jesus. I was intrigued about this Yeshua guy, but this Jesus, no, 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 it's not for me. So, but thank you, Louise. Thank you very much. Right about that time, I started having a real drug and alcohol problem. Whatever pain I was in or feeling, it would take that away. My dad passed away at a very young age. He was like 52 years old and died from cancer. Just gotten divorced a couple of years before that. And I mean, all this stuff was caving in on me. I had to drive myself to the emergency room because I was, I was thinking I was having a heart attack. And as I was driving home, there was a stretch of road that usually had a lot of truck and car traffic in the middle of the week. I said, to myself, you know, I'm done with this. I can't take it anymore. I'm going to end my life. I'm going to kill myself. The first truck that I see coming towards me, I'm history. I'm done. I wasn't even thinking about the truck driver. I wasn't even thinking about anybody but myself. I was just wanted to kill that pain permanently. And in two to three miles, there was not one car or not one truck. I get home and My wife says to me, what are you doing home? It's the middle of the day. You don't understand. You have no clue. And I took her engagement ring and her wedding ring and I threw it across the room. I didn't know what was happening. I was out of my mind. I was just gone. And she was saying, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? And all of a sudden I felt this emotional thing. And I opened my mouth and out of my mouth came these words, I just need to be loved. And I go running at, uh, at the end of the hall is our door to our bedroom. And I go through that door and I shut the door and boom, I hear the door crack. And I jump into bed and I just start screaming, God, help me. I'll do anything, God. Just stop this pain. Just stop this pain. I couldn't take it anymore. I was going crazy. And my wife walked in the room and says, your psychologist is on the phone. He wants to talk to you. Yeah, what's going on? He goes, no, you tell me what's going on. 
And I said, well, I'm just having a bad moment here. He goes, according to your wife, you're having a very bad moment. He says, I want to see you first thing tomorrow morning in my office, and you're going to need to go to rehab. So I go to this rehab, and um, I get a sponsor. She said, part of the journey of recovery, it's a spiritual recovery. So she says, I want you to start going back to your synagogue. But I would, I would be faithful. I'd go every Friday night. I would be going to the service. They asked me to be on the board of directors. And I said, okay, I'll be on the board of directors. And after a while on the board of directors, they said, we'd like you to be vice president. And I said, okay, I'll be vice president. After a couple of years, they said, okay, we'd like you to be president of the synagogue. And I said, okay, I'll be president of the synagogue. So here I am, president of the synagogue. I was sober at that point 10 years my wife was having some issues on her own with, with drinking at, at that point. One day I just said, you know, Monica, I think, I think I'm done. I think we're done. I think we should get a divorce. Something happened to Monica. All of a sudden she was like starting to go in on Sundays with a Bible under her arm and heading off to a church. I says, just don't tell him your last name because you know I'm the president of the synagogue. She goes, okay, don't worry. And I picked up the phone. I said, Sam, I got a problem. He goes, what is it? I'm president of the synagogue. Monica's going to a church, you know, on Sunday morning. We're getting divorced. I says, you know all about this Jesus stuff. Tell me, what do I do? Do you have a Bible? And I says, yeah, I have my Bar Mitzvah Bible. You know, at synagogue, we read out of a Siddur, and we never even open the Bible. I mean, the closest thing we get is the Torah, it's the first five books of Moses. Turn to Isaiah 53. I turned to Isaiah 53. Turn to Psalm 2. And I said, okay. Flipped it over, Psalm, found Psalm 2. Turn to Psalm 22. And I said, okay, turn to Psalm 22. Read that. Who do you think they're talking about? I mean, if you're asking me, it sounds like they're talking about Jesus. But how could they? This is my Jewish Bible I got from my bar mitzvah. Well, why do you think they're not talking about Jesus? And I said, well, he was Catholic, right? No. He was Jewish. And I said, really? Ask God tonight what the truth is. So here I am lying in bed that night, and I'm like, okay, God, I heard some really strange stuff tonight, but I do know that you pulled me out of the drug and alcohol addiction. You saved my life. I'll believe whatever you say. So I heard these words like he was standing next to me. This is the truth and I love you. And I started crying. So we go to the Rosh Hashanah service at their congregation like an hour and a half away. I felt something there. I felt like love and acceptance and I felt like I was home. And then the service started and I couldn't stop crying. Towards the end of the service, the rabbi gets up and asks if anybody would like to accept Yeshua into their heart. I was like, yeah, I do. But you know, then I thought about it. I said, well, I'm president of the synagogue. And all of a sudden, I felt a tap on my shoulder, and it was Louise. And she says, God's waiting for you. He's always been waiting for you. Just reach out to him. I never thought I could be Jewish and believe in Jesus. I thought the two were entirely at opposite ends of the spectrum. But once I understood that Jesus was Jewish. It came full circle to me. I said, oh my God, I'm believing in a Jewish Messiah. It was a gift. It was a gift that I 
didn't even deserve. But he loved me so much. And he loves us all so much. And he loves you so much. Just ask him for the truth. That's all. Just ask him for the truth. What is the truth? When I cried out to God the Father, he saved my life. When I said that prayer to accept Yeshua, Jesus, into my heart, he saved my soul. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Doesn't matter whether you're the president of the Jewish synagogue, you might be the president of the United States, you could be the president of Russia, Ukraine, or the Prime Minister of Australia. If you've got a heart, God wants it. That's it. And he'll come after you. Yep. And he'd come after that man and he got him. That's a great story. When mercy walked in by Gordon Moat, that's what it's all about. That's what this show's about today. The mercy of God as he mm-hmm. comes to us and he comes to you today. Will you accept it when mercy walked in? I stood in the courtroom The judge turned my way It looks like you're guilty Now what do you say? I spoke up Your Honor I have no defense But that's when Mercy walked in Mercy walked in And pleaded my case Called to the stand God saving grace The blood was That covered my sin Forgiven When mercy walked in Praise the Lord I stood there and wondered How could this be Someone so guilty Had just been set free 
What a beautiful song. Well, guess what? It's my favourite segment now. It's time for Ask the Aussie Pastor. Mate, are you ready? Yeah, but what if uh, you want to send a question in now? Is it too late? Or It's getting pretty close to too late. But if, you, if you're quick, you can still send well, one in now. Yep. If you send it in now and we don't get it answered this week, that's still cool because it'll go into next week and that'll go into the draw for our... First great big super prize, and we don't even know what it is. <laughs> true, true, <laughs> but true. Hunty's got to go on. Look, Hunty has never, ever, 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 ever got a bad prize. That's right. You're going to go looking for a good one, Hunty. It'll, it will be nice. And if we can't find a good one in Faith FM's toy box, yes, we'll go find one ourselves. We will. And we'll charge Faith FM. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, if you want to send in a question, we'd love to hear from you. You can text us on 0488 or you can email your questions to us, and the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. Now you're ready, mate. I'm ready, right. as I'll ever be. First question is um, from, from Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Um, can you explain why Jesus was baptised when he was without sin in his life? Okay, read that again. Can you explain why Jesus was baptised when he was without sin yeah. in his life? Yeah, I can. Uh, when John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus, when Jesus came to him, you remember what John did? Do you remember the story or not really, Hunty? So, so Jesus comes to John the Baptist and says, baptize me. Do you remember what John said or, or you can't? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not worthy. Yep. Yeah, he said, no, no, don't, please. I'm not worthy. What did Jesus say? Permit it to be so. Yep. Uh, Jesus didn't get baptized like we do to wash his, uh, wash away the sins of his life and start anew because that's what baptism is. What baptism is? It's a, it's a open public ceremony and it's symbolic where you go under the water and you give way to your old life and you come up and you start a new one. Yep. It's true what Rachel says. Jesus didn't need to do that, but he still said when John said, "Look, I'm not worthy. You baptize me. I'm not even worthy of doing up your sandal straps." Jesus said, "Permit it to be so, for righteousness' sake." Jesus was being an example. Yep. Yep. He, everything Jesus did while he was here on this earth was an example. You, you know, Jesus was God when he was here on this earth. Did he need to pray to God the Father? Well, technically, possibly not, because he's already God. He has strength and power and authority. He has life within himself. But he showed us in his humanity how to have an experience with God. So he prayed. He went to church. You remember when he went to church, Luke four sixteen on Sabbath. Hmm. He was baptized. Everything he did was an example for us. So, Rachel, he did that as an example to you. And if you're out there and you haven't been baptized and you want to follow Jesus, you need to find a pastor and you need to get baptized and do it straight away. Mm. Yeah, in fact, Hunty, when it comes to baptism, yep. I only have one question for everybody who chooses to follow Jesus in the baptism. What's that? Do you know what it is? Um... Uh, what what is it? What do you, do you know? What qualification do you need to be baptized? Oh, you have to believe. That's it. You have to. Yeah, you have to say Jesus. I believe. Yep. 
and I'll follow you with all my life, with all my heart, no matter what the cost. Yep. If you can say that, you're ready for baptism. Baptism is not a graduation ceremony. No. It's not the conclusion of a whole heap of Bible studies. It's a responding to a call by Jesus Christ yep. who says, come follow me. And you go, you know what? Right now where I am, I choose to follow you. You might not have it all together theologically. You might not know all the Bible doctrines. That's cool. Jesus has called you. And if you can say, Jesus, here I am. Be my saviour. I will follow you no matter what the cost. You're ready for baptism. Amen. That's how I do it. Totally. So if you want to be baptised and you live in northwest Sydney, and you've never had that opportunity, Mm. you better come to our church. Where is it, Hunty? 4 Samuel Place, Quakers Hill, just behind the Aldi. Come, see Pastor Lloyd. Or see Hunty. Yeah, we'll see other. I would love to see you. Yeah, Hunty's a little fella. He's yeah. a, he, look, he sounds like a big fella, but he's only a little fella. He's down the back on the tech team, training them left, right, and centre, actually. Always in black. But if you see Hunty or me, yep. and I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll take you through. I'll ask you that question. If you could say yes, I'll stand up. I'll get some criticism for this. That's okay. I'll stand up and I'll baptise you if you can say I'll follow. I want Jesus to be my saviour. I've given him my sins. I've chosen him. I'll follow him all my life for the rest of my life, no matter what the cost. I'll baptise you with joy. Mm. Okay. All right. Next question. Um, why, when God promises to bless His people, are so many of His people poor, sick, out of work? And generally doing it tough. What a great question. I know, right? <laughs> that is a beauty. That is a really, really good question. Because the reason it's a good question, because there's this thing called the prosperity gospel out That's there, right. Auntie. That's right. And the prosperity gospel says if you follow Jesus, everything's going to work out. Can I summarize that for you? Yeah. You pray to Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. It's Look, the prosperity gospel is everywhere out there. Um I like the fact that it's not in what I'd call, well, generally it's not in mainstream Protestantism. I don't say this as a, a, a criticism, but it's just a fact. The prosperity gospel is primarily the gospel that drives Pentecostalism. Mm. That's a fact. Uh, it's why they keep getting into trouble. It's why their pastors keep getting into trouble. It's why their pastors can be mega rich driving around on Harleys and living in fantastic homes and paying themselves massive uh Wages, because they believe in the prosperity gospel. When you believe in the prosperity gospel, that is that God blesses you uh, if you follow him, then your pastor better show that he's being blessed. If you believe in the prosperity gospel, the pastor better have a big house and he better have a Harley. Or if he's <laughs> smart, he'd have a BMW. No, no, Harley's right. No, no, BMW is better buy. You know I ride a Harley, don't you? You haven't ridden a Harley for a long time and you no longer own a Harley. Come on, hit me back. Hit me back. Did you just sell your BMW? Yeah. <laughs> I no longer own a BMW. We're both bikeless. And what you a tragedy. sold your Harley for more than I sold my BMW. And my BMW was a better bike. Oh, that hurts. Well, that hurts. the Harley makes a better boat anchor. <laughs> um, so here we are. Next, next question? No, we <laughs> okay. haven't even close to finished. So why, why does God promise to bless his people? Yeah, yeah. Look, you get so many are poor and weak and tired and doing it hard. If you're worried about me being in the prosperity gospel, owning a Harley, I went to my boss the other day and I said, man, you're not paying us enough to rent a house here in Sydney. Wow. We're struggling. You're struggling, Hunter. You're on the same wage as me and you're struggling. Bless. We're struggling, but we're blessed. How are we blessed? I think the blessing that God promises, and this is not a cop-out, this is a reality, and you see it week after week in the stories we tell of the Protestant Reformation, Hunty. True. Um, that dude today, in, in the story that Harold told, lost his house twice, mm. persecuted, harassed, run out of a, a myriad of towns. He's blessed. So what's a blessing? A blessing is having Jesus Christ in your life. Yeah. That's all you get promised if you follow him. I've seen good people die of terrible 
terrible. You've sat with me, Hunty, when we yeah. ministered and baptised a, a dude on the last day of his life we dying did. of cancer. With we a, did. Two kids yeah. under five. That was just such a... It's a, a tragedy, mm, but he tragedy. made he made the decision. He followed Jesus, and he was blessed. Better to be him than live an entire life without Jesus and be rich and wealthy in the ways of this world with your roots stunk, sunk. I said stunk. <laughs> it <Yes>. does stink. <laughs> sunk deep into this world. Better to be that guy dying of cancer with Jesus than than the other guy. True. The blessing that the Bible promises, and this is no cop-out, this is a fact, this is reality, this is the truth. You want to know the Protestant heart of the Protestant gospel? It's this. It's not that awful, awful uh, prosperity gospel. The gospel is Jesus will walk with you no matter what you go through, and you're going to go through some pretty rotten stuff. But Jesus will walk with you. That's what will bring you hope. That's what will bring you peace. That's what will take away the anxiety. And that's what will prepare you for death. Death that's coming for all of us is having Jesus. You can throw that prosperity gospel out the door. It's not worth the paper it's written on if it's written on anything. All right, next question. That was a rant, wasn't it? It's pretty good. Um, all right, so this one's, this one's aimed squarely at you. Again. <laughs> <laughs> so it says, you seem to enjoy sport. What do you think God thinks about it? I've had that question before. Uh, yeah, I do enjoy some sports. Uh, Hunty does not enjoy sport, and we know why he does not oh, I enjoy, enjoy sport, sport. Especially when it's beating you. Well, that never happens. I happened once in tennis while we were in the never, US. Never, ever, ever has that happened. Oh, yeah, it did. No way. One of us is telling fibs live on on Christian radio here. Yes. <laughs> Lloyd, you should repent. Oh, dear. <laughs> Hunty struggles with sport because he comes from New South Wales. He's born oh. in New South Wales. He's bred in New Stabbed South Wales. And in the last 18 series, he's only won four. So he has, oh, the horror. He has loser stamped <laughs> over his forehead. I don't take sport seriously, Hunty. Doesn't bother me that the Poms beat us in the cricket. Look, what does God think of sport? Not much. I don't think he's engaged. I don't think he's interested. I don't think he has... I don't think he in any way blesses blesses a sport or makes someone win or someone lose. Is it a, is it a good distraction, though? <sighs> Look, th- th- there's a reason, and you know it, we joke about this, Hunty, but yep. do I watch State of Origin? Um, usually, no. Why not? Because you gave it up. Why? Uh, so you could focus more on, on your life and spiritual Be- life of the yeah, Lord. Yeah, because, because I took it too seriously. Uh-huh. It consumed me. I mean, look at me now. I don't watch it, and I'm unbearable, Hunty, when you guys <laughs> lose. You know that. True. Um, you watch it, but you don't really care a, a cent. I watch it until we start losing and I change channels. <laughs> Which means he hasn't been watching it a whole lot lately, but... No, God is not into sport. No, God is not concerned with sport. That's my belief. God, in fact, sport, which is all about self and winning and pride of life, I think we've got to be very, very careful with it. And I know that put me offside with a lot of Aussies. But remember, Hunty, I am a man who loves sport. So I'm not a weirdo here. So so I guess they're not talking about sport for fitness. They're talking about competition sport like in our Yeah, I think so. Sport for fitness is good. I mean, you and I, I don't know, is it sport to run up and down the pool? Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, maybe it's not. It's boring, I can tell you that much. It's helping me lose weight, though, Hunty. Well, that's actually, that's actually the next question. The next question to, is, oh. um, how's your weight loss going? Good. I was 118.3 this morning. Wow. Well, did I start at? 138? Yeah, something like that. So, but I celebrated lunch. 
I made myself a burger. Ooh, An egg, yum. some cheese, tomato, oh, and onion. Oh, yum. And I followed that up with a drink. And that's the first time in a long time. Yeah, no, nah, I'm losing weight. Praise God. Good stuff. I've got 90 seconds left. Plenty of time. Here's a ripper for you. How can I deal with people's anger and the rejection of me? Oh, that's hard. Mm. Uh, I experience that all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, you're quite the expert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people get angry with me all the time. Um Christians get angry with me. Non-Christians get angry with me. People abuse me on Facebook. Not so much on YouTube, but they certainly... I, I, I see you get hit from both sides. Yeah, I do. I get hit from Christians who don't like the gospel. I got hit from secular people who don't like that gospel. Uh, how do I deal with it? The best way to deal with it is, number one, I don't let it bother me. I let people's anger just wash over me. Yep. I think I can do that because the only person who really matters to me and whose view and opinion really matters to me, other than my wife's and yours, Hunty, and my friends and my, <laughs> my boss, and I really, is Jesus Christ. That's true. He loves me. He's merciful to me. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. He forgives me over and over, and his opinion matters. So well, if I've got to choose between the truth and vitriol and the abuse that that brings, or giving that up, and uh, what would you call it, um, compromising, I'm going to go with Jesus every time, mm. and I'll take the abuse. And if someone's abusing, if they hurt you, if they're really damaged, you pray for them. You'd be surprised how that softens your heart. Exactly. Hey, I'm looking at the time. We're out of time, but guess what? Last song. This next singer. Who do you, who do you, what do you know about this next singer, She's, This <laughs> one's the best-looking singer in the world. I'm in love with her. I think my wife won't worry about it because it is my wife. That's right. <laughs> Lizzie G, and she's singing a beautiful song. I think, didn't you record this, Auntie? No, she, no, this is one of, um, one of Sam's. Ah. Very nicely recorded, too. Okay, praise his name from my wife, Lizzie Groleman.
the end of our program, Hunty. And what a good way to s- finish the program. Beautiful singer. Mm. Uh, the first time I ever met Lizzie Hunty, yeah. she, she was singing. Nice. I was down to preach at an old people's home of all places. That's and right. this beautiful That's girl right. gets up to sing. Yep. And she's standing next to me and I didn't dare to sing with my voice. <laughs> hey, I want to invite our listeners, and some of you will be viewing this on Facebook, although I'm putting Facebook up later because we had problems today. We did. Um, if you would like to get the Aussie Pastor program, some of them hunting and me, some of them just me, as they come out, you can register at Aussie Pastor. Mm. Subscribe. Yep. How do you do that, Hunty? Oh, well, right now, right on the front page of AussiePastor.com is a big subscribe button where you can put, your in, put in your details and we'll send you a hot link every time the Aussie Pastor goes live, be it radio or television. Well, probably not radio, to be honest, but we'll send you a hot link with television. Yeah, television. Yeah, yeah, there yeah you go. No, we don't, let's not go too far for the radio, Hunty. No, no, no. Let's say a prayer to finish the program again. Thanks for joining us. Dear Father, we had a hard time starting the program. Everything broke down. You know we try our best, but sometimes technology gets the better of us. I just pray that you'll take this humble offering. You'll take this program. You'll use it to bless your name and to help others out there in this great big brown land of ours to look through a window and see how good you are, Jesus, because I know one thing, that Aussies need Jesus. Thanks for hearing our prayer. Bless every one of our listeners and those watching, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. My name, Lloyd, is, my name is Lloyd <laughs> Grolleman and I'm the Aussie pastor. And uh, my name's Hunty, I'm the man in black, and I love you. But you, Hunty, what don't you, love anyone right. as much right. as... God loves you so much more. <laughs> that's my, we're, we're, why not finish how we let's, started? Let's do it again. Or, or, no, let me just say this. Uh, Hunty doesn't love you. I don't love you as much as Jesus that's does. It. See ya. When, Hunty? Hunty? Uh, next time. Bye.
Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 